Yeah! Hi, hello all you newsketeers out there. Welcome to Cody's Fun Time News Show for winners. Today we'll be discussing news. Ew. Okay, so the news has been terrible and heartbreaking and angering and sexy, but mostly only those first three things. Possibly even more so than usual. From the constant background of the war in Ukraine to the baby formula shortages caused by corporate laziness and greed, hearings about the attempted coup on January 6th, the ramp up of hate against the LGBTQs, etc., and of course the pesky mass murders that keep fucking happening in this country. In May alone, black grocery shoppers were shot by a white supremacist in Buffalo, people at churches were shot in two separate instances, and of course the murder of 19 children and two teachers by a shooter at Robb Elementary School in Texas. Coupled with the absolute incompetence and cowardice by the armed police who stood outside and let the shooting continue. And I'm sure that as I say this, another shooting is currently happening. Oh, and the planet is angry. Can't forget that. So we've all been a bit consumed by rage and grief, or as we like to call it in America, the news. When so many terrible things are happening all at once, it's hard to maintain focus. Something is banging on my walls from the outside. Not sure what that is, but let's just add it to the list. It's hard to focus on a single terrible thing right now, which is why the leaked Supreme Court draft overturning Roe v. Wade has kind of slipped out of the news, which is kind of wild, because roughly 50% of the country is about to lose a fundamental right to bodily autonomy, and 100% of the country is going to be deeply impacted. So we should probably talk about it. What is that? A fucking moose? Am I being the raided? Gonna power through this. Okay, stripping people of their bodily autonomy and medical rights is extremely bad. And it's even worse that the GOP are celebrating this massive loss of human rights in the name of saving children. Because here's a secret. Well, it's not really a secret. More like a statement based on reality. But the GOP hates children. Or at the very least, couldn't give less of a shit about them when they're shot to death in schools, face poverty and hunger, or die due to a lack of medical care and resources. And we're just talking about the children in the United States. Children in other countries are worth less than dirt to conservatives. And honestly, also to establishment Democrats. Can't forget those useless, useless Democrats. I'm going to talk more about how much the GOP and Dems hate children later, trust me. It'll be super fun. But first, we do need to talk about this whole overturning Roe v. Wade thing. Because going back almost five decades in human rights, progress is kind of a big deal. Or according to some big-brained experts, it's totally not, actually. Do you think that the states should have the right to be able to determine abortion laws? Because you'll still, it won't change the laws in like, yeah, that's all Roe v. Wade overturning means that Colorado, you know, can have abortion, like they have all the way up until nine months, yeah. and Texas can have a heartbeat bill. Yeah. So again, it's going to be let a thousand flowers bloom. It's going to be each state gets to decide on its own specific abortion protocols, which is precisely what the Constitution suggested at the time. Most abortions now, even when you go to a clinic, are done with the pill. Yeah. The pill. And... Pills are easy to get in America. We know that. So, you know, for the people who say we're going back to 1973, we're not. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, womb havers. It's no big deal after all. All of you folks upset about this news are just on your periods, you see. It's just that some states can choose not to allow abortions. What about their choice, huh? And like Bill Maher said, you can just get a pill now. 
How hard is it to get an extremely hard to get pill that the GOP is specifically restricting in their states and is very hard to get because of that? So just get that really hard to get pill. It's easy. Video over, I guess. MBD. Roll those credits. Roll them. Come on. Oh, wait, sorry. Maybe Steven Crowder and Ben Shapiro and Bill Maher aren't the Roe v. Wade experts we all universally accept them to be. And perhaps I need to look into this a tad further. Because once Roe v. Wade is overturned, millions of people will suddenly lose access to abortion in their states. And that seems bad. In fact, 13 states have trigger laws, as in various bans on abortion access, that will go into effect once the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, which could be really darn soon. It could be the day we're filming this. A lot of clinics are already preparing by ceasing all appointments after this month, because overall it's predicted that at least 26 states would ultimately ban abortion once Roe is overturned. As of May 5th, 86 bills have been introduced in 31 states to restrict or ban abortion, and eight states have enacted abortion bans, with two blocked in lower courts. But heck, I guess you're just supposed to go to a state where it's legal, which is, in many cases, what does happen. After the Texas ban went into effect, Planned Parenthood in neighboring states saw an 800% increase in abortion patients and a 2,500% increase specifically in Texan patients. So, problem totally solved. Of course, going to a neighboring state only works if you can even afford to do it, which many people can't. Accessing abortion from Texas now requires people to travel over 250 miles on average, which, by the way, will become a much greater distance when Roe v. Wade is destroyed, as you'll have whole clusters of states banning abortion. So you either need money for a plane ticket, a car, gas for that car, which, by the way... Yeah, lodging and savings to cover your lost wages. Currently in Texas, the strict timing requirements for people to obtain abortions may cost some people their jobs since workers' rights are about as piss poor as reproductive rights. For those who live in poverty, who in 2014 accounted for half of everyone seeking abortions, this may be impossible or lead to being even deeper in poverty. But sure, you know, not a big deal, says Bill Maher, TV show host. So it's ban on abortions for the poor for now because even if you have the money to go through the ordeal of traveling to get an abortion anti-abortion states are looking into making that illegal as well lawmakers in missouri are trying to pass a bill that would in similar fashion to the texas heartbeat law allow individuals to sue anyone helping patients cross state lines for an abortion other bills being introduced include one that would simply make it illegal for people to obtain abortions out of state if any part of the abortion counseling occurred within Missouri, or if payment occurs from within Missouri, or if someone lives within Missouri, or, quote, the conduct of a person or entity creates a substantial connection with this state. Whatever that means. If you're in a Missouri state of mind, I suppose. It would even ban obtaining an abortion outside of Missouri if sexual intercourse occurred within this state and the child may have been conceived by that act of intercourse. Although they don't say whether it counts if you're having sex right on the border and the sperm kind of shoots over into the vagina in another state. Is that allowed? Or would this count as, as sperm trafficking, spooge laundering, cum smuggling, jizz running?
Nice, I like that. Also, Batter Baron. You know, baby juice bootlegging. The old knob slurry moonshine. A hot milk pirate, if you will. I have so many of these. Anyway, so they want to ban abortions and then ban leaving to get an abortion. Spunk sneakers! All right, that was pretty good. Okay, moving on. Seems like they're trying to trap women, like prisoners, is my point before I got distracted by the jizz jokes. And boy, they aren't stopping there. Shortly after the Supreme Court decision leaked, Idaho senior lawmaker Brent Crane wanted to hold a hearing over banning emergency contraception, and a failed Louisiana bill tried to criminalize IUDs by expanding the definition of abortion and would have defined abortion as homicide. According to Paul Weiland, the Republican state senator who led the Missouri effort to stop Medicaid from covering contraceptives like IUDs and Plan B, quote, the bottom line is there is only one one time something definitively happens, and that's the moment of conception. Once that happens, anything that happens should not be state-funded. So, basically, as soon as the sperm bonks into the egg, you're literally and figuratively fucked. Also, claiming that there is only one time something definitively happens is... Is this like weird and wrong? There are many, many, many different stages of reproduction. I could declare that I believe life begins when the sperm gets peed out of the balls. I can just say that, and I do frequently on public transport, but it doesn't make my opinion the definitive fact. But even though this Missouri effort failed, the repealing of Roe v. Wade would likely encourage further efforts to reduce access to and illegalize contraceptives. So the argument that we shouldn't worry, that it'll, it'll still be legal in some states, or that since most of the country supports abortion, then it'll be protected, is completely dishonest, and frankly, cowardly, and can be summed up with this exchange. And we know that most Americans, including conservatives, do not believe that. They're not on that page. Well, but they, most they, they voted it in, in Texas, not that long ago. Right. Acting like this will blow over really seems to ignore the fact that conservative lawmakers are already passing these laws despite what the majority wants, because their end goal is to ban abortions everywhere, and always has been. After all, people like Crowder pretending this is no big deal are the same people who think abortion is murder. So what exactly do you think their endgame is? This isn't some kind of polite display of restraint like someone daintily eating a few chips at a wedding. They aim to shove the entire nacho spread in their maws no matter how much it embarrasses my parents. My fault for nacho wedding, I guess. But maybe the reason Crowder and other pregnancy crusaders are being so adorably coy is that they know as I've already pointed out, that the right to an abortion is wildly popular. 61% of Americans believe abortion should be legal in all or most cases, while only 37% believe it should be illegal in all or most cases. That said, it's a highly polarized issue, with about 80% of Democrats saying abortion should be legal in all or most cases, and only about 40% of Republicans believing it should be legal in all or most cases. Still, 40% of Republican-leaning people is a healthy chunk of the party. So maybe that's why they're so focused on the technicality of Roe v. Wade not banning abortion, even though it will directly result in it being banned in many states. And it's also probably why they're groping their pearls over the leak! Why don't we begin with the leak itself? It is unprecedented for a full draft decision to leak this way. You've heard of you know, sort of the outcomes of decisions leaking before. That happened with Roe itself, but... But the actual draft decision for that to leak into full public view is insane. This, coupled with the leak, uh, demonstrates how the left is so obsessed with this issue that they're willing to delegitimize one of the most revered institutions in our system of government, 
an institution that, despite its flaws, warts and all, has served our country well. Sorry, interrupting the montage to point out how cool it is for Republican Senator Mike Lee to say the left is obsessed with abortion and not his own party, who are making laws to do bounty hunting on anyone helping someone get an abortion. Anyway, continue the montage of very serious people. Oh, can we actually get, like, some really dramatic music over it, too? The institution that I'm a part of, uh, if someone said that one line of one opinion would be leaked by anyone and you would say that oh that's impossible no one would ever do that there's such a uh, belief in the rule of law a belief in the court a belief in what we were doing that that was verboten it was beyond anyone's understanding. Sorry, interrupting the montage again to point out that this dude's wife tried to privately pressure lawmakers into overturning Biden's presidential victory in favor of Trump. And when the Supreme Court ruled they would not take the case of Pennsylvania Republicans who wanted to challenge the election results, Clarence Thomas dissented. And it's hard to know how much of this is because he's a conservative shill or a shill for his wife. Anyway, continue the montage, which I get is... It's not technically a montage anymore. Continue and then conclude the series of regularly interrupted clips, please. Let me explain this. Uh, not a big fan of the leak. I'm glad to hear what we've heard. But let me give you a guess. I'm pretty sure the leak is from a leftist. Why? This is an intimidation tactic. Oh, my stars and goddess, not the sanctity of the Supreme Court. Or wait, counterpoint. Who gives a fucking pebble of a shit if we're talking about the sanctity of the Supreme Court like it's some holy resting place? Uh, well, hey, have you guys looked at the Supreme Court lately? It's kind of a hot mess and not the fun kind you'd smuggle across state lines. Like, for starters, the Supreme Court has very little in terms of oversight. Also, the judges are not governed by any code of ethical conduct and are the only judges in the entire U.S. exempt from such. That's... That's odd, huh? Justice John Roberts was looking into developing an ethical code, but I guess they just kind of gave up. So I don't know, maybe these people suddenly concerned with the Supreme Court's sanctity could look into that. There's also the growing issue of the shadow docket, which is an emergency procedure where the court can issue summary decisions without oral arguments. It's meant to only be used when not issuing an immediate order would cause irreparable harm. For that reason, it used to be implemented very infrequently. But since 2017, it's become routine. To quote Associate Justice Elena Kagan, the court's use of it has become more unreasonable, inconsistent, and impossible to defend. That was from her dissent to the Whole Woman's Health versus Jackson case, which challenged the Texas's Heartbeat Act that outlaws abortions after a heartbeat is detected and allows people to sue anyone who helps women seek abortions. It's that bounty hunting anti-abortion law in Texas you might have heard about. And this challenge to the law brought to the Supreme Court was relegated to the shadow docket before getting dismissed with no oral arguments, no hearing, no transparency. Just... <laughs> Womp womp shrug. The lack of transparency and oversight is especially concerning given the clear conflict of interest we see with Clarence Thomas. As I mentioned earlier, his wife Ginny Thomas texted Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, pleading with him to help overturn the election. And yet Clarence Thomas hasn't recused himself from any cases regarding the election despite a possible 
conflict of interest. Very good integrity and sanctity, guys. You're nailing it. Also, like five of the nine Supreme Court justices are blatant conservative partisans. And Mitch McConnell didn't let Obama have a justice in his last year in office while rushing through Trump's appointee less than a month before the election, before Ginsburg's body was cold. So, you know, sure seems like they don't actually give a shit about the sanctity of the Supreme Court or really anything at all. And speaking of sanctity, I should really look into what's threatening the sanctity of my walls. So I'm gonna cut to an ad break, you know, to investigate. Also for the money. Hello, news absorbers. Hey, speaking of absorbers, are you tired of soaking dish rags in a bathtub full of tomato soup overnight so that you can keep them in your pockets and suck the nutrients from them throughout your workday? So many rags and cans of soup. There must be a better way. And there is. It's called eating. But sometimes it's hard to eat right. So that's why we have AG1 by Athletic Greens. They're a superfood product that takes all of your daily vitamins and crams them all into a single healthy and delicious drink like substance. A drink, if you will. In fact, just one tasty scoop of AG1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients in one convenient daily serving. We don't always have time to eat. Tomato rags are fine, but not perfect. And so that's why AG1 is a really good option. They keep up with all the nutritional news and change their recipe to make sure they're the healthiest health product they can health. I mean, be. Doesn't matter if you're vegan or paleo or some other kind of human human being, AG1 is designed for everybody. Right now, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash more news today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash more news to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. I did it, and I'm powerful. End of the advertisement. Hey, we're back! Forgot to check outside my walls. I just sort of stared off for a while, trying to think of more sperm smuggling jokes, but I'm sure it's nothing. I mean, the banging is getting louder and some of the drywall is beginning to crumble, but again, probably nothing. So we've talked about the conservative response to the Roe v. Wade news and their assurances that it's totally fine, which means it's probably time to discuss the actual human consequences, as well as the medical science and like, reality of it all. Because while all of the pundits in the world can opine on the abstracts or broad points, we should probably ask what overturning Roe v. Wade means for people with wombs. And no better way to do that than have me talk about it. Because as somebody without a womb, I can confidently say, <laughs> I oh my god! <laughs> You're the moose? Is that my shirt? What? Get up! I'm trying to... Shoot! 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 It's my turn. I'm the show captain now. You tore through my wall with your hands. I have a door. You can. Yep. Yeah. I'll call you if I need anything. Thank you. You're... Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, folks. Katie Stoll here, representing and speaking for every single person on the planet who has a uterus. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. Oh, it is. Group text. Emoji, emoji. Okay. So, for starters. Don't get me wrong, access to reproductive health affects everyone. In fact, even people who can't get pregnant are often able to cause pregnancies through this technique called fucking. And most well-adjusted people, when engaged in this fucking, actually care about their partners and their health and their rights and so on. That said, 
The most severe consequences will, of course, fall on those whose uteruses are being meddled with, especially when it comes to their health and especially when it comes to the most vulnerable people. Because you know America's slogan, kick them while they're down and then piss on them, home of the brave, or something like that. The Texas abortion ban, for example, is going to disproportionately affect low-income, immigrant, black, and Hispanic people. Black women are also disproportionately likely to die as a result of pregnancy. But of course, the health risks of restricting abortion will impact everyone with a uterus. Being denied access to abortion is linked to worse health outcomes because the risks of childbirth are far greater than any risk associated with abortion. In the worst case scenarios, people die giving birth. One study predicted a 21% increase in pregnancy-related deaths following a national abortion ban and hundreds more women dying per year. And that would be even greater among the black population where pregnancy-related death would increase by over 30%. And we have known this since 1976 when the CDC found that restricting access to abortion increases the risk of death for the patient. And not only does the U.S. have the worst maternal mortality rate compared to other rich countries, this rate goes up even higher in states where there are restrictions on abortions. In fact, it's over 50% higher than in less restrictive states. Not to mention that the states most likely to ban abortion already have higher rates of maternal mortality than the rest of the United States to begin with. In the 12 states in which abortions are restricted and are likely to be restricted further or banned outright, Maternal mortality went up 38% due to those restrictions. And states that lack Planned Parenthood clinics saw an increase of mortality by 8%. All of that is to say, it seems like if you actually valued life, you would be concerned about those numbers and wonder why some states seem to be killing mothers way faster than other states. And this isn't exclusive to the United States either. Pretty much every country with abortion bans regularly kill women because of those bans. The WHO estimates that of the 67,800 women who die from abortion complications each year, 67,500 of those are in developing countries with restrictive abortion laws. And even when we're not talking about people seeking abortions, these laws tend to kill women who are experiencing complications during pregnancy. There are just... So many heartbreaking stories about women dying because doctors didn't want to break a law to save them. Stories which, buckle up, I'm about to tell you right now, and warning, it might piss you off. It should piss you off. As opposed to the rest of this video. In Ireland, fetal heartbeat laws prevent doctors from performing abortions or inducing miscarriages unless they could prove that there was a threat to the mother's life. 31-year-old Savita Halapanavar died from a wanted pregnancy because, while doctors determined miscarriage was inevitable, they were too afraid of breaking the law to induce the miscarriage. Savita died of septic shock and multiple organ failure. In Nicaragua, 22-year-old Olga Reyes died after languishing in pain at the hospital for hours due to an ectopic pregnancy. Ectopic pregnancies, by the way, never viable. But the ban on abortion and potential prison sentences they faced made doctors fearful to treat her. In El Salvador, 33-year-old Manuela didn't have an abortion. She fell ill, went to the hospital, and miscarried. Instead of receiving care after her traumatic experience, she was handcuffed to her hospital bed and charged with homicide. Despite the fact that it is typically impossible to tell the difference between an induced miscarriage and a natural miscarriage. Manuela died two years later of cancer while in prison. 
In Poland, 30-year-old Isabella died after her water broke early at 22 weeks. Despite it being legal in Poland to conduct an abortion in cases where the mother's life is in danger, doctors feared they wouldn't be able to prove this and wanted to wait for the baby's heart to stop inside of Isabella. Despite her pleas for help, Isabella died, and she left behind her nine-year-old daughter. Poland, like the U.S., once allowed for abortion, but in 2021 enacted basically a total ban. As we learn from Isabella's story, even though it has exceptions for the life of the mother, when doctors can face severe legal repercussions, they may delay treatment until it is too late. And now they have a pregnancy registry, which can be used to track women who are pregnant and potentially investigate or even imprison women whose pregnancies end in miscarriage, much like the case of Manuela in El Salvador. In Brazil, abortion is illegal, and while, yes, there are exceptions for rape or risk to the mother's life, the far-right Bolsonaro government has introduced a regulation that requires doctors to gather evidence and report to the police anyone who comes to them for an abortion after being raped. Human Rights Watch points out that this is clearly meant to discourage rape survivors from seeking abortion, fearing arrest if the investigation finds that they weren't really raped. Anywho, that's just a few of the stories, and now you probably understand why I felt the deep, burning need to punch my way through Cody's wall. Abortion bans mean that pregnant people will be regarded as potential murder suspects if they miscarry, or at the very least, as disposable incubators, whose lives come third, after the fetus, and then the hospital's liability. But pregnancy cultists argue that it's okay for people's bodies to not belong to them, for them to suffer, maybe even die, because this is in the name of saving an innocent life. So, okay. Okay. So, let's break it down. What is this life that is worth stripping people of their rights and even their own lives? Ooh, should we make this a segment? I never get to do segments. Cody explains the meaning of life. Perfect. Hey, Cody! Cody, guess what? I got my own segment title. Did you tip over my car, too? Okay, well, first of all, the abortion debate isn't really about life. It's about human life. We're okay with killing life, even vegans, since plants are alive. Even the bad plants, like the chayote. Just look at that piece of shit plant. It looks like Shrek's ball sack. Fuck you, Chayote, I hate you. Anyway, the non-religious moral issue is killing a person. So what's a person? Is it an egg that the uterus sheds and lets die naturally all the time? Is it the sperm that most often ends up dying in a sock? Or, if there's time, a slightly heated gourd? Is it the moment the sperm grazes against the egg zona peculidae? Or is it when the sperm is halfway nestled into the egg's membrane? Is it before or after the acrosome reaction when the sperm's head melts and releases its genetic information? Is it the zygote, a single cell full of the sperm and egg's DNA? Is it turning the first stage of meiosis? Or is it when the cell begins mitosis? Is it when the blastocyst forms this charming little cutie? Or is it when the embryo develops a mouth hole at four weeks? Or maybe it's when it starts to look like this instead, which is the dog fetus at four weeks. 
But hey now, maybe we shouldn't base this on looks, but rather on whether it's got a human brain. The brain, by week six, can start to have electrical activity, but it's less complicated than a shrimp's brain. By week 10, the cerebrum has started to develop, which begins very, very smooth, similar to a reptile's dumb, delicious brain. But at this point, the fetus remains unresponsive to stimuli. So, okay then, I don't know, is it a person by week 13 when the fetus can start to move, but its brain is smaller and less developed than a rabbit's brain, continues to lack sentience or respond to anything in a purposeful way, and has activity similar to a sea slug? By now... We've actually moved past the point of when 92% of abortions take place. At 14 to 20 weeks, only 6% of abortions are performed. At 23 weeks, the fetus's brain is considered viable and the fetus can respond to stimuli, but by 21 weeks, fewer than 1% of abortions are performed. And surveys of people who have had these performed either report discovering a fetal health anomaly, discovering a health risk to themselves, or were unable to access abortion before 21 weeks, either due to financial or legal barriers, or minors being afraid of their parents, or victims of domestic violence afraid of their partners. So, is the 21-week-old fetus a person? Should we force women to give birth to their 21-week-old fetus, even if it threatens their life? Should we force people to give birth if their fetus has severe health issues that would quickly kill the fetus, or if they would be born without a brain? Do we force children to give birth because they hid it from their parents for too long? But hey, now, these are all very realistic, heartbreaking hypothetical questions. Should get a little wackier with it, a little fun, a little funky. Do we have uh, an example of some kind of impossible, outlandish situation? Something that doesn't happen, maybe. Maybe, 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 maybe we can create some kind of dipshit AI to perfectly craft the single worst take on. Oh, oh, bro. Okay, never mind. That's perfect. Thank you, Tim, you scabby little ingrown hair, you. And I'm just going to say it. Look, first and foremost, you guys, you know that I lean pro-choice on this issue. And, and I'll explain in great detail as we get into all this stuff. But I certainly don't lean in the direction of where the modern left has gone because they're outright pro-abortion. But I can say this definitively. The pro-life stance is a strong moral stance. The pro-choice stance is not. Okay, 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 okay. Sorry, sorry. I didn't realize you were pro-choice, unlike the left, who you claim is pro-abortion. I mean, you're right. We do love abortion. That's our thing, babe. That's what we're doing out there, constantly protesting in front of OBGYN clinics. I personally push on every baby bump I see hard. We just we hate babies, you know? Tim is so pro-choice that he claims there's no strong moral stance to keep abortion safe and available. You know, besides the health and freedom of the mother, I guess. I guess that doesn't count, Tim? Tim is so, so pro-choice that when the Roe v. Wade news first broke, his entire studio exploded in celebration like they were watching the moon landing. Oh my what goodness. Supreme you. Court you, has God. voted to overturn wow. Roe v. Wade. 
We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. Justice Alito writes, initial majority draft circulated inside the court. Oh my, what? This is nuts. Anyway, back to Tim's tweet, which asks, what happens if a woman is on the way to get an abortion at eight months but goes into labor in the lobby of the abortion clinic and accidentally delivers the baby before it could be terminated? Oh gosh, I don't know. I guess, I guess the doctors could take a legally acquired AR-15 and shoot the baby because our country loves shooting babies. But the actual answer to this, not that Tim Pool is actually interested, is that as soon as it has left her body, she can't terminate it because the fetus is no longer in her body. And hey, also, this never happens. The only situation even remotely close to this is if the pregnancy has to be induced early due to a deadly situation for the mother, such as preeclampsia. If the fetus is born alive, doctors do not kill it, but it is up to the family if they should try to resuscitate the extremely premature baby or give the premature baby palliative care until it dies naturally. Now, this is often a very painful decision for the parents who may have to choose between limiting the premature baby's pain or trying to resuscitate it, even if it's unlikely or impossible that it will survive. There are bills called Born Alive Abortion Survivors that would force doctors to continually resuscitate babies born prematurely, even those with abnormalities that are incompatible with life, meaning that the baby will not survive, even if it's against the parent's wishes. This means potentially forcing a doomed baby through painful procedures until it finally dies. There are whole ethics debates in neonatology about whether persistently resuscitating likely unviable newborns is actually moral, given the high chance of death and potential suffering. It's controversial, so maybe it should be left up to the doctors and patients, just like we leave end-of-life decisions up to doctors and next-of-kin, should the person be unable to communicate. Seems like there's a big moral stance here concerning the right for people to make these extremely difficult choices, you know? But in this country, we have decided that your right to your own body always supersedes someone else's right to use your body, except for pregnancy. That's kind of weird, right? We don't require forced blood and organ donations even after someone's died and is no longer using their body. But if babies are going to be the one exception, why is it only uterus havers who have to give up their bodily autonomy if they have sex? Because currently we don't even force actual parents to donate blood or bone marrow to their already born children if they need it to survive. But a pregnant person has an obligation to the fetus that we don't require of anyone else. Mandatory organ donation isn't a thing. We also don't ban men from having sex after a certain age, even though men over 40 years old are 23% more likely to cause a miscarriage. And sperm of men over 45 are 74% more likely than younger men to cause a miscarriage. Also, it just, it has that old sperm vibe, you know, like a, like a dusty car. So should old sperm be illegal? Should we sterilize old testicles? If that sounds like a grotesque violation of our men's bodily autonomy, you are correct. Just like what we're doing now to women. But it's men, so we won't. And if life begins at conception, as so many Republicans suggest, should we make it illegal for people to drink or smoke or eat sushi after sex just in case? 
But even things like working long hours or accidental falls can cause a miscarriage. So if a company overworks someone who's pregnant, are they liable for murder charges? If a woman trips and falls and it ends in a miscarriage, is she tried for involuntary manslaughter? Do we want to live in a society of forced organ donation, treating every pregnant person as a potential criminal if they run too fast or eat sushi before they know they're pregnant and chopping everyone's balls off after 45 years of age? Because I'm ready, folks! I am ready! I got my organ harvesters and clamps and castration wrenches good to go. Bought them years ago and they're just collecting dust. Or option two. Maybe we should be in charge of our own fucking bodies. Seems like that's a pretty clear moral stance to me. Hey, Cody! Guess what? I did the rainbow hand thing. Oh, cool. That's great. Hey, listen, my deposit is not going to cover this hole, so maybe you could spot me or, like, pay for it since you did it. Ooh, yeah, that's going to be a hard no for me. But the real question is, why aren't you so angry that you're also punching holes in your walls? It feels great, Cody. Cathartic. And since both genders are equally against abortion bans, it's really frustrating that this always seems to fall on women. I mean, maybe maybe you should be hosting your own show instead of making me do it. You ever think of that? I Okay, I'll take over. I, I was hosting before. Great! I'm gonna go shopping for ball clamps. Yeah. What? Oh. She just... Jumped right through my window, head first. Just dove. I might need to call my landlord. And maybe a lawyer. So as Katie explained before she leapt out of my window and then flipped my car back over and then stole my car and from the sounds of it immediately totaled my car and walked away unscathed, is that in terms of the medical and practical and scientific aspects, access to abortion is safer as well as fits with our country's general moral principle of bodily autonomy. Nor is the concept of life and when it starts anything but simple. And so ultimately, it seems like people should just have access to safe abortions and be allowed to make their own choices. Like America, the free place for freedom stuff. But ultimately, if you morally believe that all of these scientific, medical, and ethical issues are moot, because as soon as the sperm bonks into the egg, there's a soul, we're not going to try to change your mind. And so we need to talk about abortion as it relates to religion as well, even though we shouldn't have to. The belief in when or whether a soul comes into being, well, that's your religion. We can't disprove a religion because religion is based on belief, not science. Personally, I think we develop a soul the first time we look into Daniel Craig's eyes. For that is when we only truly become alive. So it's subjective and often religious. And like, isn't this country all about not dictating others based on your personal religion? I thought that was the main thing about America's founding other than slavery and syphilis. So why would we dictate our abortion laws based on Christians? After all, other religions actually include the right to an abortion in their beliefs as many sects of Judaism do. This is actually the reason behind a synagogue's lawsuit against a new Florida law that bans abortions after 15 weeks. The Jewish congregation in the complaint states that according to their religion, they believe abortion is required if necessary to protect the health, mental, or physical well-being of the woman. So what about their religious beliefs? It seems weird the people pushing religious freedom don't seem to care about this. Almost like they secretly want some kind of Christian theocracy. But it certainly can't be that, can it? 
So again, this is why you see Crowder and Shapiro whining about the leak or trying to convince people that Roe v. Wade getting killed is no big deal and you could just hop over to California. This is why Tim Pool has to pose impossible make-em-ups where someone gives birth in an abortion clinic. These logical facts before feelings, dudes, have to find ways not to actually argue their position because it just comes down to their religion and feelings. So they say, you know, dumb shit, like the Nazis had abortions, which by the way, isn't fucking true. Nazi Germany banned abortion and demanded the death penalty for those who sought abortions in cases where the vitality of the German people is threatened. The only time abortion was allowed was if it had a eugenics justification, AKA disabilities or big air quotes, undesirable races. The Nazis also banned doctors from providing information about abortions, something Germany has amazingly only recently changed. Seems, seems weird to have any Nazi-era rules on the books over there. Like, even if they were innocuous laws, I'd still, like, abolish the Nazi laws and then reinstate any that are just regular laws, just, just to get that Nazi stink off of them. So banning abortions because you think that a sperm and egg cocktail makes a soul isn't exactly a logical argument. Luckily... Ben Shapiro is very good at making an emotional stance seem logical. The real question is, where do you draw the line? So you can draw the line at the heartbeat because it's very hard to draw the line at the heartbeat. There are people who are adults who are alive because of a pacemaker and they need some sort of outside force generating their heartbeat. Okay, are you going to do it based on brain function? Okay, well, what about people who are in a coma? Should we just kill them? Right? The problem is anytime you draw any line other than the inception of the child, you end up drawing a false line that can also be applied to people who are adults. So either human life has intrinsic value or it doesn't. I think we both agree that adult human life has intrinsic value. Can we start from that premise? I believe that sentience um, has, is what gives something moral value, not, okay, necessarily, so, not necessarily being a human alone. Okay, because, so, or, when you're, so when you're asleep, can I stab you? I'm still considered sentient when I'm asleep. Okay, if you are in a coma from which you may awake, can I stab you? Well then, uh, no. I'm glad you answered that because I have no interest in actually murdering you. But that's still potential sentience and it's still a potential... I agree, it is potential sentience. You know what else is potential sentience? Being a fetus. Got him! Roasted! Life begins at inception. That baby fetus is just like you in a coma. So like, his yummy yummy logical argument is that we can't kill potential sentience. But like... Jizz is potential sentience down the line. That's why I name my jizz every time. So are the eggs that come out during menses. Should people have to save their menstruation and take it to an IVF clinic to get it inseminated? Should everyone who jerks off into their favorite body pillow of Lola Bunny get sent to jail? I mean, maybe, but not because of this. But that would be like basically 100% of the country in jail for Lola Bunny jizz crimes. Look it up, the stats are out there. But it's especially interesting that Ben brought up a comatose patient as an example because we actually don't force family members to keep people alive on life support machines even in the case of children yes we don't literally let strangers stab them but as katie mentioned earlier this country is big on letting people choose what happens to their body or the bodies of their loved ones if you were sentient in the 90s you might recognize this as a whole exhausting fucking thing we went through with the terry shivo case the courts ultimately deciding it was unconstitutional for the government to force a comatose patient to be kept on a feeding tube. Although in Ben's defense, I don't think he's ever been sentient. Or maybe weirdos like Ben disagree with the Shivo case and would like to 
force families to keep their loved ones in a persistent vegetative state forever, despite their wishes. Even in this case, his argument still doesn't work. Notice a bit of word sleight of hand he does. When he compares removing an embryo or fetus from your body to stabbing someone who is not a part of your body or using your body. But if, say, uh, Morbius grabbed onto you and started sucking your blood, you'd actually be able to stab them in self-defense because they have suddenly robbed you of your bodily autonomy. I'm pretty sure that's why it's legal to taste Jared Leto on site. Or, well, one of the reasons why. One of 15 reasons. Feel free to Google Jared Leto 15 to find out more. So if embryos and fetuses grew in science fiction jars or if humans laid eggs, we wouldn't be having this argument, mostly because we'd be too busy having delicious human egg omelets. The problem isn't that the embryo or fetus exists, it's that they're growing and using someone else's body. And so once again, by every other medical standard we have, everyone should be allowed to decide if their body should be used for this purpose. Not counting all the bullshit that comes with raising a child, pregnancy alone has a serious medical impact. It's not a fucking person in a coma, Ben. But again, I think he knows that. But he can't just say that he feels like abortion is wrong. Also, just a thought, but maybe some of these guys have a bit of deep-seated sexism issues to work out. Well, that's what I, I have a theory. It's always really, really unattractive women who, for example, they bitch about catcalling. They bitch about yeah. abortion. And here's the thing. Women who are attracted... This is just a theory. Just to be clear, this is just... This is just conjecture, okay? I'm not a doctor on ugly chicks. No. <laughs> <laughs> These often women want to be like, look, so everybody wants to cat call me and I'm having so much sex that I have to have all these abortion, you guys. And everyone's like, right. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, there it is. Great tight five holster boy. So other than Crowder and Shapiro and basically every Republican lawmaker, maybe there are people out there who do believe in equal bodily autonomy for everyone, are pro-choice, and would be okay with abortion. But those people also see a morally gray area with late-term abortions, which is not a medical term, but a political one, by the way. That's worth talking about, because those are people who might easily be swayed into banning abortions completely. I think it's also what Tim Pool thinks he is. There are a lot of people who often say stuff like, I'm all for choice, but we need to draw a line. So logically, facts before feelings, etc. if you don't want late-term abortions, the best way to do that is to allow access to abortion early and remove any barrier to early intervention, which again is what 92% of abortions already are. Like we mentioned earlier, the reasons for that small percentage of later abortions, other than saving the mother's life or conditions for the fetus incompatible with life, is the person simply not having access to an abortion earlier. So, if we want all non-medical abortions to happen early, shouldn't we make it easier to have abortions right away? If it's really about that gray area of later abortions, the Tim Pools of the world should be really invested in making sure people have access to abortions as early and easily as possible. And shit, if you're really against abortion altogether, shouldn't you also be screaming from the rooftops for more access to sex education? Abstinence-only education actually raises teen pregnancies, while comprehensive sex education decreases them. Teens who got comprehensive sex education were 60% less likely to report becoming pregnant or impregnating someone than teens who did not receive sex education, and 50% less likely than teens who received abstinence-only education. Another study found that an increase in funding for comprehensive sex education lowered the overall teen birth rate in the whole country by 3%. There's also evidence that family planning education and counseling provided by Planned Parenthood reduced unintended pregnancies. You know, that thing anti-choice people hate. 
I don't really support meeting these ghouls at their level, but it's worth pointing out that abortion in this country has been going down for decades. After Roe v. Wade passed, there was a brief increase in the number of abortions, and then a steady decline. This is a trend seen in other countries around the world with legal abortion. In fact, nations studied that had more restrictive abortion laws actually saw an increase in the rates of abortion. This doesn't necessarily mean that abortion restrictions directly cause abortions, or a lack of those laws directly causes the rates to go down, but it could be that societies with more restrictions may also limit other aspects of reproductive education, health, and control, which would then result in more unintended pregnancies and more abortions. And so if you actually wanted fewer abortions, or really valued all all life, it's actually against your goal to eliminate places like Planned Parenthood. It's against your goal to support the GOP's agenda on healthcare in general. For example, the Affordable Care Act may have led to greater access to contraceptives, which has, according to the Guttmacher Institute, driven the long-term decline in adolescent pregnancies and births. But since providing people healthcare, contraceptives, and education is too communist, it's apparently much easier to blame women or anyone who can get pregnant. Ooh, and also immigrants! We love blaming immigrants for junk and stuff. Because maybe, just maybe, for some of these people, it's not actually about preserving life at all so much as preserving a population. The white population, to be specific. As you might have already heard, there's this thing going around called the Great Replacement Theory. It's a white nationalist belief that white people are being replaced by brown people, which is espoused by right-wing terrorists and Tucker Carlson, the and there being optional. And this flaccid Nazi hogwash is also often used as a justification to ban abortion. To quote the head of the Conservative Political Action Conference, Matt Schlapp, if you say there is a population problem in a country, but you're killing millions of your own people through legalized abortion every year. If that were to be reduced, some of that problem is solved. If you're worried about this quote-unquote replacement, why don't we start there? Start with allowing our own people to live. This is where we get into that Handmaid's Tale shit. The people casually pitching we turn American women- <laughs> WHITE AMERICAN WOMEN! Into baby factories to keep those damn immigrants from living here? Somehow, build the wall out of babies. Now, I'm not here to call every anti-choice person a white supremacist, just Tucker Carlson. But I do think that this anti-abortion stuff, combined with the GOP's total unwillingness to support contraception or actual sex education, combined with their absolutely fucked up views and policies on rape and incest, feels like it's purposefully designed to force women to have babies they don't want either because of some religious or traditional view of what a woman is supposed to be, a secret need to control women, or yeah, maybe some of them are fucking white supremacists. What they certainly aren't worried about is actually protecting children. And in fact, they might hate children. It sounds harsh, but I'm just going by every single one of their legislative actions when it comes to children. Remember when I said we'd talk about how the GOP and Dems sure hate children? This is that part. And as a disclaimer, nothing against people who hate children. I hate children all the time. Just this morning, I threw a brick at a school bus. But it's pretty darn hypocritical of these people claiming to be pro-life to ignore all of the actual health problems that kids in this country face every day. Like I mentioned earlier, our infant mortality rates are a joke, but not like a ha-ha joke, compared to other rich and even much less rich countries. We're worse than Latvia, whose per capita GDP is less than a fourth of that of the US. Research has shown 
that the disparity between our infant mortality rates and other countries actually increases after birth and in the first few months. It seems like prenatal death of babies is not as significantly different than the postnatal death of babies, especially once they reach a month of age. So we are failing babies once they're born and trying to survive their first few months. Socioeconomic factors seem to be driving this almost entirely. According to this study, why is infant mortality higher in the United States than in Europe? Higher U.S. post-neonatal mortality relative to Europe is due entirely, or almost entirely, to higher mortality among disadvantaged groups. So if you care about these babies' lives, you should support spending on welfare for parents, such as child tax credits, which Republicans and pseudo-Republicans oppose. Sad trombone noise, or maybe sad baby noise? Sad baby playing a sad trombone noise. Beautiful. Good. Hey, aside, it's actually really hard to work jokes into a video about dead kids and abortion, but we're doing it! <laughs> Anywho, school children can get bent and go hungry, says Mitch McConnell, who wants to, big air quotes, defend innocent human life. And don't get me started on children who weren't lucky enough to be born on America brand dirt. If conservatives love children, they should be opposing sanctions in Afghanistan, which are predicted to kill one million children due to starvation if they're not stopped. But Republicans are, of course, in favor of sanctions, as is the Biden administration who imposed them. Republicans, as well as establishment Democrats, also oppose the proposal by Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal that would assess the sanctions to see where they could be eased to save children's lives. So, kind of seems like they hate children, or maybe it's cold indifference. But they sure aren't indifferent when it comes to embryos, because when it comes right down to it, they like the embryos, fetuses, heck, even the blastocysts, more than fully realized children. Probably because the embryos don't need money for schools or medical care. The fetus can't protest climate change or have opinions or come out as gay or trans and get sent to conversion torture camps. A blastocyst is a model citizen because it has no free will. It's just the vague concept of a person without any complex details, like a crash test dummy or Gwyneth Paltrow. So maybe that's why there's so much more concern with fighting for the zygote's right than for children to be able to go to school without getting murdered. We've had many instances of mass murder of children, even though it sure seems like one is too many. But even after Columbine, Sandy Hook, Stoneman Douglas High, and now the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, the only answer Republicans have to, hey, our children are dying in their own schools, is proposing dumb shit like invading schools with former military members. Yeah, just, just put the military in schools. It'll be a great learning tool to teach children about imperialism. Other solutions include Ted Cruz's get rid of all the doors except one door in schools, which is a good way to turn a school into a death cube in the case of a fire, or just a regular prison. Or like the other solution is arming teachers, which is weird given that Republicans now think teachers are brainwashing and grooming children. So they obviously want to give those teachers guns. Not to mention, now you have a school full of guns for kids to find. Like the world's worst scavenger hunt. Ooh boy. The winner gets no more school forever. But you don't even have to agree with banning guns to realize no more doors or put the military in schools aren't serious solutions to the problem. There are tons of gun safety regulations and laws that lie between total ban and give all the teachers and kids and the class hamster guns. But the reason these 
pro-life Republicans are uninterested in any serious conversation about gun safety is that it's hard. It means the NRA stops paying their campaigns millions and millions of dollars. It means they have to face their own gun culture and maybe change it. But that's hard. Making sure that children are well taken care of, fed, safe, and happy is hard. But it's... It's just much easier simply to put all of that responsibility on pregnant people, force them to give birth, give them no financial support, and then blame them if they're too poor to care for their child, all while pretending to care about children. But at least there are people who do actually care about other people, about children, and anyone who might be forced through a pregnancy. And guess what? I'm looking at them right now! Literally, my pigeon army sees all! So if you want to help out, you can donate to the Gulf Coast Planned Parenthood that is helping people in Louisiana and Texas. You can also be compassionate towards people who are being held hostage in their own states by anti-abortion laws. You can donate to the National Network of Abortion Funds, which helps people seeking abortions. And if you care about children's lives, maybe consider donating to the World Food Program, which provides food to children and schools and people all over the world. But you don't need money to help help, you can just, you know, talk to people, talk to your friends and family, offer comfort to anyone who's scared, make sure you can be that person that someone can come to if they're in trouble and need medical help. And if you have kids, make sure you're the kind of parent whose child can come to them if they're pregnant and scared, and they know you'll offer them reproductive choice and help without judgment. You know, the, the human-y, people-y things that people do when they're being people and not just embryo worshipers. Because this is about everyone. It's not gender-specific, it's a fight for basic bodily autonomy and the choice to be a parent for everyone. And if we don't push back, it's not going to stop at abortion. It's not even going to stop at contraception. It's going to keep going for as long as we let a minority of conservatives continue to push their religious beliefs on the rest of the population, which is why I'm going to go, I guess, punch a hole through my wall is what the lesson here is today, apparently. She was absolutely right. This feels great. See you later. I need a new house. I ruined it with my fists. But that's therapy. Hey folks, thank you so much for watching that completely uplifting episode. Uh, you can hit like, you can hit subscribe for future videos. You can go to our Patreon for exclusive content. You can listen to our podcast, Even More News. And those are the things I'm supposed to say. Cody, you're making me very uncomfortable. He hates when I host. No, I like it. It's good.